morning. Good to see everyone here. Keith, it's really good to see you here. You just keep traveling all over the place and having all kinds of fun. So, yeah, Keith's been having some rough times, so keep him in your prayers. A lot of people are. Maybe with a lesson like that, we should say something like, God bless you. Well, God bless you. That's kind of a phrase that I don't know how, how common or how comfortable we feel with those things. We, we don't really seem to understand it all that well. Um, what's the true intention of the word when you say God bless you? Uh, the secular man just sees it as words that mean absolutely nothing. Just, you know, a wishful feeling, I guess. Yeah, with actually, you know, nothing really there. That's, you know, there's no magical word there. There's no fairy dust. There's no cosmic force that's taking place. God bless you. Pretty much well, so today we, we limit it kind of to sneezes. When you sneeze, you know, and I, and I put a few God bless you's up here for you. I'll let you kind of pronounce them for yourself. Uh, first one, Saúji. That's what they always said in Rio. You know, that means health. They don't even bother with God. They just say you sneeze. They say health. You know, and they're commanding you to have health. You know, I don't know how well that command works. That second one there, this is one I should have had uh, Lowell come up here and pronounce worse. Dumnizel seva binivin kantazi. That means God bless you. And that to let you know how complicated Romanian is. We say God bless you. You have to say this in Romanian. Dumnizel salvan binikunvuntazi. So that's quite a mouthful just to say three little words. Uh, and the fourth one. You're on your own. That's Japanese. <laughs> I'm clueless. I just put it up there for the fun of it. But when you look at scripture, you know, it's the idea of blessing is repeat throughout scripture. It's, it's everywhere. I was trying to count up just in, in general, you know, whether you use the word bless, blessed, or blessing, or however you want to end the word. Well over 300 some odd times. Now the majority is in the Old Testament, but that makes sense. Uh, the majority of the Bible is the Old Testament. But well over 300 times, one form or another, you're going to find this word up there. And a lot of times what it means is to have good fortune, to have a good bounty. Uh, the Old Testament, I kind of even like better because the Old, the Old Testament, it's almost like a worship word. It's not quite a worship word because obviously we worship God. We don't worship one another. But it's, it's a word that there's praise involved in the word that they use for it. And we, you read the scriptures and you look at people and we'll pray for, pray for a blessing on the crops. Uh, we'll pray for a blessing on the Lord's work. We pray for blessings on health. We pray for our marriages. We pray for the nations. I know of more than one place where they actually have special blessings for motorcycles. Now, I've kind of thought about that, being an ex-motorcycle rider myself. That I think the most blessed motorcycle is the one that won't start. But um, is all this nothing more than well wishes, warm feelings? Is there truly any power or influence in a blessing? And I think the answer is yes and no. I think the very first thing we have to be concerned with when we talk about a blessing is, who is the giver of that blessing? The giver is God. Things change. Life changes. When God gives a blessing, futures are molded, mountains are moved, rivers change their course. God told Abraham back in Genesis, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And here we are 4,000 years later, and we see the result of God's blessing. 
not just the historic Israel that's there, but it's carried over to the church. All those who are the faith of Abraham throughout the world. When God said, I will bless those who bless you, he meant it. We see God's blessing becoming a reality in the lives of so many people. You think about Joseph, and God decided to bless them. Moses, David, you see it in the birth of the church. But the next point I'd like to go to, and this is kind of where we're kind of driving at as we go, this is what about you and me? Is it possible that I can truly bless another person? Is it truly possible that you can bless a soul? Can our words change the courses of rivers, mountain, level mountains? Do we command the universe? And again, I actually think the answer is both yes and no. Now, I don't have any confidence in some kind of a religious ritual or invocation. I don't care for these mystical or spiritual forces. The only lucky charms I believe in have marshmallow treats in the same bowl. <laughs> the sign of the cross, kissing a relic, uh, trips to whole religious shrines. Uh, these are borrowed from pagan superstition of the world, not from God. So the question is, if you and I are going to be to bless somebody, how actually do we do that? A blessing is truly a godly blessing when the words that come out of your mouth are matched by the intention and the will of your heart. And I think that's where it comes in for us today, because when God said, I will bless you, he backed it up, didn't he? He did things to alter the course of the universe, because he said, I'm going to bless you. When we bless somebody, is it backed up? with the will of our heart, with the intentions of our actions, the desire or the commitment, our efforts. Because that's exactly what God does. I think it's exactly what we need to do and what we should choose to do when we both bless one another and when we actually, there's scriptures talking about you and I blessing God Almighty. As odd as that sounds, we bless him, not with just our words, but with the will of our heart. And the intention of our actions. Kind of tied this I know, to children. There's a lot of times there we don't do this, and I don't think it's actually a bad thing. I'm not trying to create a new doctrine here or anything like that, but there are some churches that will have special blessings of, of children. Churches that will have that newborn child brought in and a ceremony or, or a time or service together where the church decides they're going to bless that child. I don't really think that's a bad thing at all. Uh, parents, you know, Jesus blessed children. And I always wonder about that a little bit. He blessed them both with his words. He blessed them with his actions. He physically embraced those children. He picked them up. He lifted them. He held them. He spoke to them. I always wonder, because we look at that sometimes as some kind of a mystical thing that, you know, Jesus has now said, bless you, and, you know, butterflies are going to appear. I don't know. <clears throat> I wonder what the changes were in the lives of those children who could look back and say, when I was small, I sat on the master's lap and he blessed me. Well, I'm not talking about any holy water or anything like that. But let, let me give you an example of people without a formal ceremony of a blessing, and I'm not saying that, but people who have blessed my life. And I do not have a list that's complete here, so don't worry about it. If we did, we, your lunch would get cold today. 
I have been blessed by my parents. I've been blessed. There's an there's elder and his wife. I think they've both gone on to be with the Lord at this point. The, the elder might still be alive down in Texas, I believe. But Bob and Ruth, you don't know them. Never met them. Probably nobody here, but uh, Kerfman's know them. They have blessed my life. Jeff and Althea. Jeff, again, has gone on to be with the Lord. His wife, Althea, is still, still is with us. When I was a kid, there was a teenager younger than me that was one of the greatest blessings to me that I could ever have. A man named Dirk today. Landon Saunders, I consider a blessing to my life. Lynn Anderson, not the singer. <laughs> How did they bless me? Without a formal blessing, they chose to make my life better. They chose to be involved in my life and to teach me what it meant to be a man of God, a young man of God, or an old man of God. Now, there is praise involved. There's reverence involved. It's not worship. But you lift up somebody before God. And for God's sake, we bless them. There's all kinds of examples in scriptures, if you're going to look at it, of pe people that were experiencing this blessing of God. We have things like, remember Simeon when he talks to Mary there in the temple, or Jacob as he blesses his 12 sons. Abraham blessed Isaac. Isaac blessed Jacob. And Jeremiah would be, when he is called, God puts on him the commission or the blessing of what his life is to be about. I always like the story of Samuel's mother. And how she asks God for a blessing, and then she gives back to God a blessing, and she makes her son become that blessing. People like Esther with her with Mordecai, and, and how worlds were changed because of them. Now the question, the question of the blessing of faith, and when you put this, I think if we will tie this to our own children. Maybe it will reveal something about the way we view our own lives, our own values. And so here's the question for you, whether you're old or young, whether your children are babes or they're old like me. What are your hopes for your children? What are your hopes for your family? What are your hopes for your friends? When you really understand that and give an honest answer, it will reveal your own values and your own view of God's will. I borrowed this from a show I watched, but it impressed me. I should have looked it up because I'm sure whoever said it on that show did not originate it. It probably came from somewhere else. But in this, a man held up a baby in his arms, only hours old, and he made this statement. The world is different today. The world is better today. You are in the world. You are in this world. And what he is saying there as he held that baby in his arms is, is a blessing. But it's not the way that we normally would direct blessings because most of the time when we're looking for a blessing, we're looking for something for ourselves. But as he held that baby in his hands, he said, the world, because of your birth, is different today. The world 
is better today. You're in it. I think we who claim Christ and the cross of Christ show our true nature and our truest values in the way we bless our children and what we look out for our own lives. No formal ceremony, as some churches might have. Maybe we should. I'm not trying to get a new doctrine. But when we come together as a family and bless the children, what is it we're saying? And if we were going to have some type of a formal ceremony, so, you know, picking on poor uh, Lindsey Griffiths this morning, but, you know, if, when that child is born, of course, the Mays family were, were backlogged, I guess, there. <laughs> What would that blessing be? What would be the blessing that you would wish most for that child? What would be the goal? I think today the problem is we have failed to understand the importance and the value of your child, of your children. I think we seriously, as much as we love them, as much as we care for them, I think we fail to understand what it's all about when you have that child, especially you as a believer in Christ, you as someone who is a child of God, what is the importance and value of your children? You know, we wish for the best for our children, don't we? We hope for the best. We plan for the best for our children. And we tend to raise selfish, self-centered, self-promoting, egocentric. Now, I'm not telling you you have obnoxious kids. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but we raise children who don't see their purpose. And, and, and secular world gives us ever, all the fuel we need to go the wrong direction. You can be anything that you want. You can achieve anything that you want. They don't see their purpose. The purpose to make the world a better place. The fact that when you bring a child into this world, what is your purpose in having that child? It is to make the world a better place because they're in it. And a goal to bless the name of God because that child is being raised by you. Whatever that blessing is uttered, if you had a formal ceremony, I hope that would be the core of that ceremony. You know, we worry about everything else. We want them well-educated. We want them to have successful marriages. We want them to have a good job. We want them to be healthy. Is your blessing that your child will make this world a better place? Or is your blessing just selfish, self-centered? The words of Christ, you know, this is one of the tough statements. We, we read this and we, we, we know it. We could probably, most of us, quote it. But it's not practical, is it? It's for missionaries, monks, someone with a special high level of energy towards God. But he puts that word in there, anyone. If anyone comes after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You hear words like that, you want to say amen. It's, it's, I want to say amen. But these words don't become a blessing to your life until they become a part of your actions and your choice 
that what your life is all about is that you are going to be the blessing for someone else. There's a quote. Kind of an odd one. I don't know when the last time you read Psalm 72 was. But you read it and you kind of get lost in the text if you're not careful. And there's words in you, there that you think he's a tri- that David is attributing to God. He's not. This is a prayer and a dedication for his son Solomon. David writes this psalm for Solomon. So when you read this, be very careful to figure out when he's talking about God and when he's talking about Solomon himself. Because look what he says. May his name endure forever. I hear that. First thing I thought of is, yes, the name of the Lord may endure forever. That's not what he's talking about. Go look at the context. Read the entire psalm. He's saying, may the name of Solomon endure forever. May his name, Solomon, increase as long as the sun shines. And let men bless themselves by him. Solomon. Let the nations call him blessed. If you read through that, you'll see. It's not talking about God there. It's David referring to his prayer and his blessing that he's wanting for his son. And you think, well, he's a king. And today, here we are thousands of years later, and we know of Solomon. We know the good. We know the bad. We know the wisdom of Solomon. We know the temple of Solomon. And you say, well, that's nice for a king. But that, where does that relate to me? I think what we need to do is take that same, that same psalm and apply it. Well, put your name in there. Or put your son's name in there. Or put your daughter's name in there. And read it again. Take it and make that this is going to be the goal of your life, that you are a blessing. Not that you be blessed in the way that we normally think of it, but that you are a blessing. And what greater blessing can you actually have than one that changes the world? Not that you gain, we pray for so much protection, we pray for so much wealth, we pray for health. Some of the greatest blessings and some of the most blessed people have shared none of that. So you take that verse, put your name in it. May you endure forever. Again, put it, I kind of want to bring it back to the context of Solomon, because when he's saying, may you endure forever, he's not saying, live forever in the kingdom of heaven and forever and ever more, millions of years. Uh, that might have some application. What he's actually saying here is the effect of Solomon's life, may it have an an impact on humanity that lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Now imagine you. May you have an impact on the world around you that exceeds your three score and ten. That long after the powder on the granite has faded and your name is no longer recognizable on that tombstone, the fact that you are here has been such a powerful blessing that goes on forever. May you increase as long as the sun shines and let men bless themselves because of you.
and let all nations call you blessed. I know those are very high ideals and you're not much of a person. You know, that's, that's not me saying that. You said it yourself. But you see your life as a goal to be a blessing. Do we come to Christ because we're here for what we can get out of it? For what we can receive? And I know that's actually a good reason to step through the door. Not the door of the building, but the door of faith. It's a good reason to start that walk with God. But God leaves no one in that position. He calls each one of us, not just to receive the blessings, but to become the blessings. And for you to truly be blessed has nothing to do with your health. It has nothing to do with your taxes you're going to pay on April 15th. has nothing to do with any diploma you have on the wall. I went to a doctor one time for an eye problem, and he had a doctor of philosophy on the wall. I was hoping that wasn't the only degree he had. (laughs) But for him to truly be a blessing, for you to truly be a blessing, is impact the lives of others. And when you think about raising your children, is that the way we raise our children? That when we say, Lord, I have brought this child into the world by your grace and mercy, now may that child be a blessing to you. That's Samuel's mother, isn't it? Remember her? If you give me this child, what was her promise? I'll give him back to you. And in this case, literally, because... The boy had barely been weaned when he was brought and brought to the, the tabernacle and given to Eli, and she says, he's yours. And when she gave him to Eli, she's actually saying, God, he's yours. Is that the blessing we want most for our children? Is that the blessing you want to be yourself? So from this day forward, when you hear me say, God bless you, I hope you know what my heart's desire really is for you for your future, for your place in the kingdom. The greatest blessing you can have is obedience to Christ. Mm -hmm. And with that, he gives you life, he gives you hope, he gives you purpose. Called Peter and James and John and Andrew, said, just sit back and watch. No, he said, come with me. I'll make you fishers of men. He gave them a purpose. And each person that God has ever called, he has never called without giving them a purpose. And that includes you. You are blessed if you fulfill that purpose. If you've not obeyed the gospel, now is the day to start. Obey the call. Believe in Christ. Change. That's repentance. It's change. You are in charge. He's now in charge. And when you're buried with him in baptism, your sins are washed away. And when you're brought out of that water, it's a new life. (coughs) Whatever you need, we ask you to come now as we stand and sing. There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, so haste to its spring. There's a fountain.